Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode here in the zone. Giancarlo Lino here with uh, Chris Martelli, Anthony Piniello, and guys, well, Start off with the Western uh, Conference here because obviously we'll get later on into the Raptors, that disappointment. But in the West, we got some interesting matchups. We saw the Pelicans rally back and tie their series. Uh, We saw, obviously, Minnesota finally get a win there. It looked rough to start off. And we got a series cooking up there with uh, Memphis. But we're going to kick it off first with Golden State and Denver. Disappointing from Denver. Especially Jokic has to keep his cool. And Golden State, the three guards are killing it right now. Uh, Of all the series, is this one where you're looking at it's going to be a sweep? Oh, you start that, buddy. I want to hear it. (sighs) Nah. um, I'll say five games. But the way that Draymond Green has been playing, looks like he's back to his OG form. Um, Jordan Poole. Like the fact that he's not even in the MIP discussion or nomination is just—I don't—I don't even know anymore. Like that award just washed that one down the drain for this year. That guy is just a walking bucket now. He's literally—I don't want to—I don't want to put any negative press on Clay, but he's making Clay look fucking irrelevant at this stage. The last like two months, no one's talked about Clay Thompson, and it's sad because the miraculous story of Clay coming back and. We're all excited to see him ball, and he hasn't balled in two years, and they trapped Jordan Poole two years ago. And, yeah, the rest is history. The guy's a walking bucket. He's been averaging about 25 since Curry was down with the injury. Even Curry do the other night, 34 and 21 minutes. That's just – that's not fair. Um, the fact that you have those three going now, I, I want to say Curry's at, a, at about 85 90%, still on a minutes restriction. Um, I still – like now that – especially now that they're up 2 nothing, if they win tonight – I don't see Curry playing much of game four. Um, I just think they're going to ease the gas with, they're just going to ease it off a bit with him, make him sure he's hundred percent healthy in the next series. But I got to give all the credit to Nikola Jokic, man. I don't know if he's MVP the way Embiid has been playing uh, all in all in the year, but Jokic down the stretch was probably the best player in the league. And he's had nobody for majority of the year, no knack on the players around him, but they don't, he doesn't have Murray, doesn't have Porter jr. That switches the dynamic a lot. And, you know, I did say last week when we were doing our predictions, I said no one could really guard Jokic. But at this stage, Traymond Green, just as elite defensively as he is, he can guard from one to five in that in that position, one of the better defensive players. And when you have three guards shooting lights out, like Clay Curry and Jordan Poole at any given time, it's a problem. And Andrew Wiggins, again, uh, hasn't really done much offensively, but – what I've seen the last two games defensively guarding Will Barton and then an even the odd time switching on to Jokic, he's been uh, he's been a bit of a nightmare. So I got to give Wiggins also some roses for his defensive play, but I'll, I'll give, I think maybe Denver wins tonight just because of the home, the home game momentum. I think the fans are going to be buzzing, but other than that, I think, uh, I think Golden State wins in five. Yeah. As great as uh, Jokic is not having Murray in uh, MPJ this time of year. And you really need depth for the playoffs. It's uh, it's kind of a shot in the leg, as good as Aaron Gordon and Will Barton are. But it's kind of a scary feeling, like Clay's not even 100% back to form yet, and it kind of doesn't even matter because like Steph's there and Jordan Poole's come to life, and you know Draymond's rolling. So uh, I think I said originally Golden State in seven. I think we're just gonna have to push that down to six now. Give Denver, uh, I'll give Denver some 
benefit of the doubt. They may get one win, possibly two, but I think we all had Golden State here, didn't we? Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) The only reason, too, where I think this might be a sweep is the morale in the dressing room. Like, I don't know what the hell DeMarcus Cousins is trying to do here, but (laughs) Will Barden is uh, a a lot higher than him on the depth chart, we'll say, at this point of his career. Uh, Like, how do you change that around? Because this is tough when you have two teammates like this, a coach has to like manage everybody. You got Jokic doing all the work here. Gordon is a nice role player to have there in the starting lineup, but he's not going to score 25 points like uh, Jamal Murray would. So I think this team is screwed. Would you think? It's uh, it's tough to battle back, especially your dad. I mean, it's, it's not out of the question. They could easily win both in Denver and then make it a series. But like you mentioned with the whole DeMarcus Cousins, situation and will barton like the the, for me the biggest uh problem here is that both of these guys are veterans if one was a rookie and the other was a vet and maybe cousins is telling them you know play your role don't get too too much in your head and but this is will barton the guy's been there for quite a while now he's well respected in the dressing room and you know demarcus cousins go in there and we know what his Unfortunately, we know with the injuries and the amount of teams he's been on the last handful of years, it's it's definitely troubling. But you know, Boogie, he's a he's a very passionate player. He gets really really heated out of nowhere, and unfortunately, in this case, it was against his own teammates. So, um, in order for them, I think to win tonight, I'm expecting Will Barton to get around 17 points. He has to be the second third option there. Aaron Gordon as well has to be a little bit better in the paint and get more rebounds because Andrew Wiggins, I think, has outboarded him so far the first two games. Can't can't allow that to happen. But uh, other than that, yeah, uh, I think uh, – I wouldn't say sweep Alino, but especially with DeMarcus Cousins, you know, fighting with his teammates, yeah, I agree. The morale in the dressing room can definitely affect this series. Well, uh, speaking of something old damage uh, a series, look at Utah and Dallas. Luka Doncic was out for game two. So you would think Utah should just take care of business, cruise to a win, take it back to Utah where you can close it out and get the sweep. But Dallas got the win. <laughs> so if Doncic comes back, this could be even more of a series. Like, is this going to be even more of a disappointment if Utah can't get through against Dallas? Oh, oh 100%. Um, yeah, I think I... I, I picked uh, yeah I picked Utah in this series because usually like they usually get shafted based off the standings they always have amazing years but it's just oh they're going up against this team oh well try again next year and obviously Donovan Mitchell he's a young superstar in the league but like you look at it's the first round Dallas relies so much on Luca with him out of the lineup and with the playoff experience that Utah has gotten over the last few years you have to win this fucking game. And as much as I like Jalen Brunson and he is a baller, he can't drop 40 points on you. So I'm still taking the Utah Jazz. We'll go in seven games. It should still be an awesome series. But uh, this was a little hiccup in the road here. Yeah, I mean, uh, on the bright side, they're going now back to Utah tonight. So, I mean, it, it's it's not like the worst thing, right? A lot of people talk about, you know, Utah should have definitely won both games in Dallas without Luka because, like you mentioned, they just solely – they just – they rely on Luka so much. I mean, the stats prove it. The results prove it. And 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, Jalen Brunson, I love him. I, I know he's going to get a contract. Uh, he's going to get a big raise this offseason, but he can't be dropping 41 points, six three-pointers on, on you. And Maxi Kleba, uh, I saw a lot of people on Twitter were joking. I know, like, this is going to sound terrible, but a lot of people said they had no clue who he was. So before this game, you know, he didn't, he clearly doesn't have the respect from, the brass of NBA fans. They don't really know him, but he dropped freaking 25 points in only 31 minutes. That cannot happen. Eight threes. They cannot guard the perimeter well enough, especially when Kleba's going, because we all see it. Rudy Gobert is not a perimeter defender. He's going to be a guy that sits his ass in the paint. He waits for his opportunity to get the blocks. And you know what, man? I, I'm, I'm tired of this Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert chemistry nonsense. If you're going to be the number one player on your franchise, you can't be chug- – I know it's a playoff game. We've seen, you know, Kevin Durant or Leon put up about 21 field goals a game, Jason Tatum about 23. Like, Donovan Mitchell cannot be putting up 32 field goals in a game and Rudy, and Rudy Gobert five. That cannot happen. I said before this series went underway that – who the hell can guard Rudy Gobert? Nobody. And what do they do? They just don't even bother looking at him on the offensive end. So the fact that he only had five field goal attempts, he did have 17 boards. He did his job on the defensive end, as he always does. He's been doing that since 2014. But, man, get him more involved offensively, man. I think if 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 you can get Rudy Gobert involved more offensively, Donovan Mitchell maybe be a little bit less selfish, give the ball out to – the perimeter shooters like Jordan Clarkson and and Bogdan Bogdanovich, I think you're fine. But game two, man, was just a freaking disaster. You can't be putting up 30 shots a, a game. That's just unacceptable for any superstar. Yeah, and the layups count as a field goal attempt. So basically, if he's only doing five or attempting five, that means they're not even like creating plays to get on the ball in the paint. So that tells you everything you need to know about how they feel about him. So maybe he'll be on the block uh, team and that could use him. Raptors. Uh, maybe, I don't know, but <laughs> uh, looking at Memphis and Minnesota, this one is uh, even though they're two and seven, I think this is more of a toss up series than a uh, regular two and seven would be, but like Minnesota got their win. Are they like the favorite in your eyes or do you think Memphis should still be able to get this one out? Uh, well, I'm the one that picked Minnesota. It should be Memphis. When uh, you look at how the year's gone, I just kind of like the way these guys match up against each other. I think it's closer than people think, but uh, it's an interesting one when you look at the history of their two teams and how they've been progressing the last little while. But, uh, yeah, I got Memphis at seven. I think you guys said five, though, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I'm going to take back that prediction for sure after the first two games. I mean, I, I got to give credit to Minnesota and it's weird because I'm usually a Minnesota guy. You know that I, I usually give towns a lot of roses. I usually, you know, praise them, but just what I saw from Memphis, you know, the whole year, just one of the best all in all team chemistry type teams. And, you know, they're all business. Uh, John Morant, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson, um, they, they've been incredible all year. And what we saw in the first two games, I mean, D'Angelo, Ru- the, the, to me, the scary thing is here, and I'll, I'll, I'll even bring this up to Alino uh, specifically, is D'Lo has not been good. 
in the first two games at all. And they still relatively got that win. They had 130 points in the first game. And they and I think D'Lo only had 10. So if you can keep getting guys like Vanderbilt, Beasley, Beverly, if they can get over 10 points in this series every game, like, yeah, I think the Timberwolves can surprise and take the win. And, you know, Memphis is a young team. Even though they finished second place, they, they don't have that experience yet. And this could be eye-opening. I still think tonight, I'm going to predict it right now, I think John Morant goes berserk. I think this is the night where hasn't had that breakout game yet. He might pull a little bit of a Donovan Mitchell, might get a little more selfish, shoot about 25 times and do whatever it takes to win. But I'm going to say here the X factor for both teams. I'll say for the Timberwolves is D'Lo. He has to definitely get going with that three-point shot. And, you know, for for Memphis, I'm going to say Jaron Jackson Jr. I think you got to take advantage here of guys like Vanderbilt, who as great as they are defensively, Jaron Jackson is probably a better defensive player and a 10 times better offensive players. So um, I know they have three really, really good. Um, like the, the one, two, three option in Memphis is good with Bain Brooks and, and John Morant, but I think they need to find more plays around Jaron Jackson, especially late in the contest when guys like Carl Anthony Towns are a little bit more fatigued. And you know what, you know, who's been really disappointing for me, uh, Pinello in this series to start has been Steven Adams. They've, they've ran him out of this whole series. The guy played like eight minutes the other night. Uh, Memphis is really trying to switch up the game plan, go with Brandon Clark a little bit more. I think he's a little bit more of a uh, versatile forward than Steven Adams. Steven Adams is that hard nosed defender, but if Carl Anthony Towns is going to continuously expose him, you know, you might have to bench him. So I, I really do like how you, you called this one, Pinello. It's really close. I, I do say seven games now. I still probably probably going to probably lean more towards Memphis here. But regardless, uh, for both teams, this is a win. They're getting that playoff experience. And maybe in a couple of years, they can be a little bit more of a serious contender, kind of like the same process as uh, Phoenix went through. Ooh. Oh, yeah, you can see that there. And speaking of Stephen Adams, we'll go to the last Western Conference uh, matchup there. He was traded for JV, who's uh, just killing it right now in the paint with all the rebounds he's putting up and kind of struggled in that first game, but still turned it around, got like 25 rebounds. And the second game, I thought he uh, did well for himself, performed well, and Ingram was an X factor there, all the points he put up, and now they're tied. And eight seed versus one seed Devin Booker is going to be over three and four with a hamstring injury. So I don't know. I like uh, the Pelicans chances. Do you think now it's time to put Zion back in the lineup? I need a percentage on Zion. If he's at least at like 80 something percent, I might throw him in there. Honestly, especially now that uh, Devin Booker's out a little bit more motivation, but uh, yeah, I think, Pretty sure the Pelicans were going to get a win in the first two games if I had to project it before. Like, they got big-time ballers like Ingram and CJ, JV doing his job down there. I'm excited to see this team with Zion in the lineup, even if it's not this year, because this is a really interesting team. So, hypothetically, if they had Zion from the start, this would be a last last week's pod would have been completely different in our predictions. So, um, fuck, I would love to see it, man. Yeah, this series kind of reminds me of two years ago when, remember in the bubble, it was uh, Portland versus L.A. That's kind of like how I see this now. Um, it's a big question mark. 
Uh, Chris Paul continues to do his thing. He's he, he keep the last game 14 assists, like he, probably the best floor general of all time that I've seen. And, you know, Devin Booker going down with that hammy. Uh, he had, he still dropped 31 points. Like the, he's so important to this team. I don't know where they're going to get the offense now. I know Chris Paul had 30 in game one, but he's 36, 37 now. I don't know if he can sustain that. I think guys like Michael Bridges and Jay Crowder are going to have to complete and of course Canadian legend Cam Johnson I think they're gonna all three of those guys are gonna have to at least put up about 15 to to you know balance out Booker's 30 so it's gonna be tough um Alino like I said with uh Pinello with the predictions last week of putting the Timberwolves and going to seven I love how you you really gave love to the Pelicans uh I, I do see this going seven now Brandon Ingram holy shit last game 37, 11, and nine. Like, he looked like baby KD for real. And um, I don't really know who can guard him. I was like, he was going up against Bridges for a majority of the game, and Bridges going up as a defensive player of the year, and he just drops a game like that. CJ was a non factor in game two. Game one, he was obviously the probably the, or not game one. Uh, in the play in, we saw he was one of the best players on the team. He probably is the best player on the team still, but. It's going to be tough for, for Phoenix now. I, I, he's out game three, game four. If if the Pelicans can win two of those games, like it's it might be over for Phoenix. Like this is it's crazy to say. And I, I, for now, Alino, I'm going to say Zion sits out game three 100. percent But if the if the Pelicans win game three, I think Zion has to go in game four. Does he not? Oh yeah, definitely. I think it's a missed opportunity just to have him on there and it's another look. So if you can get the two wins there, put more pressure on Phoenix, then you're going to put more pressure on Booker and Paul. Like they're going to hear all that criticism. You're going to put more uh, pressure on Aiden who's playing for a big contract. So I think the Pelicans are in the driver's seat there. If they can get a win there and go back a fully healthy team. And if you throw Zion in, he doesn't have to start like maybe second quarter you put him in there for three four minutes to end it then third quarter and fourth quarter maybe four minutes a quarter just to limit his minutes i think he'd still be effective and i'm still gonna go with this i'm gonna go with the surprise here pelicans going on to the next round i love it uh, going on to the east got to talk about the raptors we'll start off on the negative note they were up yesterday it looked like, you know what, they're going to get one back. They're going to go Saturday, have a chance to tie it up. But all of a sudden, Joel Embiid starts hitting shots, even though he started off with five points in the first half. That's fucking horrible, but he turned it around. What did you guys think of Joel Embiid's uh, game-winning three? <sighs> well, that's uh, that's the MVP for you. I kind of just threw my hands in the air and I'm like, well, fuck me. That, that was my exact reaction. Um, I don't know. The first two games were really frustrating. I don't want to just blame the officials. It seems like a very obvious thing to do as a Raptors fan, but I don't, what was the exact number boys in game one? They went to the line how many times and the Raptors got to the line, like not even 10 times. And of course that's gonna, that's gonna be the game for you. So um, I'm not really surprised with how the games are going, like in terms of style, pretty slow on Philly's part. Throw it in for Embiid. Harden's doing his thing. Maxi is popping the fuck off. As great as Embiid has been, I think um, 
I think Maxi's kind of been the difference maker in that series. So we're down three nothing. Chris, I wanna I wanna wanna hear what the Raps have to do. What do you think they have to do to get any sort of fucking life here? Well, first things first, you know, you we mentioned the free throws. I want to talk about that for a second. Uh, I'm not going to blame the reps. Uh, that, like, that's kind of childish. I mean, we all know that Joel Embiid and James Harden, they're going to get their fouls. Um, he's just that smart of a player, Embiid. He knows exactly where the, when the hands are active, he's going to go up and he's going to flail and he's going to get the calls. So I just want to talk. So for the first game, uh, Philly had 34 free throws. We had 23. And here is the biggest cause for concern in game two they out free they had 30 we had 12 so i don't know if it is the reps i don't know if it's just we're not we're not being disciplined enough when we're driving in the paint we're kind of just going up and we're not we're not generating enough contact i don't know what the problem is there but i, I got to agree with everything Pinello said man tyrese maxey holy crap the first two games just getting the philly crowd buzzing giving them all the hope in the world James Harden is washed. He looks like a shell. Like the guy can't get over 20 points in any game that I've seen. And it, I don't know what the, I don't know how, but you know, who's been the X factor. And I hate to say this because I, I really did roast him last week is Tobias Harris. They, like the first, I want to say every single time he's played us a series dropped under 15 and, you know, in game one and game two, him and Maxi combined for 50. Uh, in both games and you know that that obviously is a huge part of why we're we didn't win the first two but another you know what let's let's talk about the freaking injuries like Barnes goes down game one that's a huge shot Gary Trent Jr. I don't know what the hell he was battling I think maybe a chest cold I have no idea that guy had no energy in game two was out there for eight minutes and you lose both those guys that's a huge loss I love Malachi Flynn but if he's going to be playing 15 to 20 minutes in a playoff game, good fucking luck because uh, he just doesn't have that experience. He does. You could tell he doesn't have the confidence either, even facilitating in the playoffs. It's just a different beast. But, uh, you know, Pinello, you asked, what do we have to do to, to be successful? We got to drive the freaking paint more. Uh, the, first two, the first two quarters last night, uh, you know, we were doing everything right. We were being a little bit more strategic when we when it came to the double team with Embiid, we had Precious and Siakam for the most part doing their job. And then all of a sudden, you know, Alina, like you mentioned, five points in the first quarter. I was loving it. The guy was not hitting anything. Um, you know, he was forcing a lot of shots, looking at the ref at any chance he could. We were in his head. But then all of a sudden we kind of ease off. But let's let's be honest here. Some of the shots Embiid was making was circus like turn around, off balance, fade away, like just some of the shit he was hitting was nuts. Um, but, you know, I was watching the game last night, and Alino, I don't know if you noticed this. It was maybe like 10 minutes left in the game. Nobody drove on the wraps in the in the pit. Nobody. Siakam, I don't know if it was fatigue. He didn't drive. Van Fleet was just chucking up threes. He didn't really look like he, like he didn't look like he was in game shape at all. But how about OG Ananobi? Like, Pinello, he's your boy. He's been absolutely incredible. He's been dropping 26. I think he's averaged 25 in this series. He's by far been our best player. Um, you know, the silver lining here is obviously the growth of OG so far in the postseason. They talked about his shot. Remember uh, against Taco over Taco Fall there uh, in the bubble. You know, he's elevated his game to another level. Gary Trent Jr. as well was just as aggressive last night. But 
damn it, that three-pointer turns around, you know, off of the inbound and just fucking goes in. And it's funny because, like, I, I was wearing my hat and I threw it, like, right after he made that. And I just looked up and I was like, well, that's uh, that's the MVP of the league. So there's really nothing much you could do there. But uh, if I'm going to be very positive here and try to be an optimistic I think we win game four. I think Siakam and Van Fleet do not shoot that bad again, especially at home. Uh, They shot, I think, a combined. It was like nine of 31 yesterday. And, you know, it was obviously troublesome. Um, And I I was listening to the radio today. I don't want to harp on too long, but Alino, um, they said that in the three games that they played in the series, either our rotation guys have been off or our main guys have been off. Like at the same time, not everybody has been on their game, and I think that's been the biggest X factor so far. But if we get Scotty Barnes back in game four, um, I, I really do like our chances, especially at the home crowd. But game five, uh, it's going to be tricky in Philly. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I think Scotty Barnes not being there it just like ruined a lot of momentum because he's a guy that if he's in the lineup, it would uh, open up a lot of more matchups. But yeah, OG was the only one I noticed that was like really driving. Like I know I like what you said there about Van Vliet. He, that's his problem, I think. He plays hero ball sometimes a little too much. And you have guys like OG driving. I think that was a perfect moment. He got hardened out of the game. I think if they kept doing that, they maybe could have gotten beat out of the game because he was complaining every two seconds. He could have got a tactical. So I think that was another missed opportunity. So, uh, yeah, they put themselves in a hole here. I think they can get game four, but not liking their chances going back to Philly for game five. They should uh, rewatch the first half of game three and really study the shit out of that. We were playing really solid up until then. Just the outcome, really. It progressively got worse for the Raps and better for the 76ers as the game went on. But just the feel for the game, if they can do that again as opposed to the first two games, I think... Uh, We'll do some damage, but um, let's bring up Precious for a second. I'm seeing a lot of Precious Achua hate. I think people are forgetting that this guy's a fucking kid, and he's so goddamn raw. And the fact that he's uh, he's progressed as much as he has the second half of the season as quickly, I think it's a fucking blessing for the Raptors. So, yeah, missing those free throws, not ideal, but guy's a beauty. He's on his way. Yeah, you can't hate Precious. Uh, you know, he just had a bad free throw game, literally. He shot freaking 9 of 11 last night. He was so efficient off the bench. Him and Chris Boucher, I don't know if they plan it out. Like, they go one one game, Boucher goes off, and next Precious goes off. Boucher goes off. Pre- like, they rotate, and last night it, you, you saw it. I mean, Precious dropped 20, and uh, Chris Boucher dropped three. So, um you know what? Like a guy at my work, he said it perfectly today. Like the fact that Precious and OG dropped combined 46 points or like, let's even talk about Trent last night, Trent dropping, I think 19 too. So they combined for like 65 points, those three, and you still don't get the win. That's literally the problem right there is the guys that, you know, you really rely on to score just didn't get it done last night. Siakam only had 12 points. And, uh, you know, you could say what you want. You know, he, he was really tired. He, he gets a lot of the defensive matchups. But at the end of the day, man, when it comes in the third and the fourth quarter, you got to hand it to the guy that was scoring. And they weren't doing that last night. I feel like they weren't handing it to OG enough in the fourth. 
Alino, you said it perfectly. Uh, like at times, Siakam and Van Fleet were playing hero ball. They were shooting three way too much. Give it to the guy with the thickest legs on the court, which is OG. Make him drive and make him force a foul. We saw it with Precious in the final play, uh, getting hard in the foul out, and it was just unfortunate that he that he uh, didn't hit those foul shots. But other than that, yeah, the, the Precious hate is just mind-boggling. He's he's improved tremendously since the All-Star break. Yeah, definitely. And uh, going on to another upset, or there that what people considered an upset, the Chicago Bulls. Uh, they really turned it around there. DeMar had a little bit of a slow start in game one. It's expected. Uh, if you've seen the Raptors play with DeMar in the past, you know typical game one performance, but he turned it around in game two. And uh, I think we got a series here. Uh, this team right now with uh, DeMar in there and Zach Levine, Vucevic, it's causing some problems for uh, the Bucks, And it looks like uh Middleton is kind of questionable for the next game. So do you think Chicago could uh pull up an upset here? Uh I'll still go with no, but with Middleton being out, I think they're a little more of a threat, obviously, when you look at Chris Middleton. But I just look at the Bucks team and I know you're high on the Bulls and everyone loves DeMar, but I feel like Giannis and Drew Holiday is enough star power to get through this whole series alone. It, it sounds like such a shot. I don't intend it to be because DeMar, I think he's going to drop 40 the, the rest of the way. He's, he's fucking amazing. He's, he's had an MVP-ish type year. Um, it's just a feel-good story. I think Levine's got to fucking... You, you got to get some Zach Levine star power in there if they're going to have any type of chance. He can't drop 20 points. Um, uh, yeah, and like Lonzo being out too doesn't really help, so... Chicago, everything's got to go right for the Bulls if they got to upset the Bucks in this series. But that game two win, though, you got to love it. Love DeMar. Yeah, you know what, man? Uh, I think this is going to go to seven now with, uh, with if Middleton is out. Uh, Drew Holiday just, uh, man, he, he just hasn't looked like himself. Um, and, and to me, the biggest concern, Pinello, is like Brooke Lopez dropped 25 last night and they still lost. So that to me is very concerning. Um, you know, Holiday dropping 15 points, six of 16 shooting. Chris Middleton was great from three last night, five of seven. So they're definitely going to miss him if he's going to miss any games. Uh, he's their closer, as crazy as that sounds. If, if Giannis isn't going in the paint and he's not dominating at the free throw line, they usually tend to go to Middleton and he gets his shots off in the mid at the three. And with DeMar DeRozan going off for 41, and uh, the, you know what the scariest thing is here, Alino, is Giannis was on him for a majority of the game. And the fact that he dropped 41 shows how just how unreal DeMar DeRozan is in the mid-range. He's, to me, he's 1A, 1B at the mid-range this year uh, in terms of ranking. And, um, you know, you talk about Zach Levine only getting 20 points. That, that, like, this is the recurring theme that I used to bring up with Brooklyn. There's one basketball, and DeMar DeRozan, you know, putting up 31 field goal attempts, Vucevic putting up 18. Zach Levine only put up 13 shots last night. So I don't know if that was just he was comfortable uh, in the second half in the second half, knowing that they had the lead. I don't know if that was the case, but I do agree with you. He can't be dropping 20. He's got to drop at least 30 if uh, Chicago wants to really have a chance to win this series. But um, I want to start with you, Alino. Last night we saw at different times Alex Caruso guarding Giannis, and he did a fucking tremendous job. 
Um, in a full year with Caruso and Lonzo Ball, do you think that could be one of the better defensive backcourts in the league? Oh, man. When I originally saw that, I'm like, this guy's going to get killed. Like, what are you doing putting uh, him on Giannis? Like, they're, it's like they're putting him out there to get run over, but he actually did really good. The like, power of the headband. It Like, I, Giannis wasn't really able to... Maybe he was afraid he was going to get an offensive foul. Like, obviously, looking at the size of the two, like, it would make sense. But, yeah, he did really good. But the thing is with that, they're going to know the next game. I think they're going to try and get the matchup with DeMar and Giannis. It's a little bit more favorable there. Uh, they can probably get more fouls like that because DeMar, they're going to give the benefit of the doubt both ways. So, they're going to take a foul and give a foul. And they know that Giannis going to the line isn't the best option, especially in Chicago. Uh, so this could be a tough match. I think if they had Lonzo, though, and if Middleton is out, that's the X factor more than a Levine, just because Lonzo is a good perimeter defender. He's an actual playmaker. He's not just shooting the ball all the time. So I think that's what they're, they're – I don't know if they're missing, but I think that's what could be used right now if they want to go to the next round. Yellow, anything to add? I think we're good on that series, but uh, fuck! Can you imagine if he pulls it off? Demar really's got Giannis's number, doesn't he? Oh man, <laughs> he does. Demar's evolved his game to LeBron, like when he faces Giannis. Oh, in terms man. of LeBron going to Toronto, there you go. Oh, I just saw a score update on the Devin Booker front. Yeah, he's out for th- two to three weeks. Oh. So. Uh... <laughs> Oh, Back no. to my Pelicans point, <laughs> I think JV and uh, company could be going on to the next round for now. That's my pick still. But, uh, yeah, going on to another injury that, uh, you know, KD came back last year from a two-year-long absence, it seemed like, and they did well, got eliminated by Giannis. And this year, you guys Kyrie back. Uh, didn't look good. Game two against Boston, it looked like Kyrie was an afterthought. Uh, KD struggled a lot, but he still managed to get 27. Uh, I'll start off with you, Chris. If you're the Brooklyn Nets fan base, like, what are you thinking now after watching Kyrie play like that in game two? It's it's a mixed bag for me. I'm worried, but at the same time, I'm not worried because like, he hasn't played a lot of games at home. Uh, the home atmosphere in a playoff game is completely different. I think if he makes maybe two or three shots early on in the in this game, game three, I think he's going to go for about 35. So Kyrie's just that important to this team. They were double teaming him, triple teaming him. They were being very, very aggressive and, you know, getting physical with both him and Kevin Durant. But, you know, when the refs let him play and it's playoff basketball, man, it's completely different. Uh you know, a lot of people are going 110% every freaking every stoppage, uh, you know, going up and down the court. But, yeah, like game two for me was very concerning if you're a Brooklyn fan. Like Kevin Durant cannot be shooting four of 17. Um, I know he got 27 points, but that was freaking he went 18 to 20 from the free throw line. So, yeah, you, you can't be going four of 17 from the field if you're Kevin Durant. I know they um, – the, the head coach for Boston just he, he set it up perfectly every time KD had it he's not a ball he's not a ball dominant player in terms of I mean uh, like dribbling the ball and setting up other team uh, other teammates you need guys like Kyrie and Curry 
to be the guy to, to you know, cut, run up the floor and just have KD maybe do a couple dribbles and shoot because we have seen his percentage <laughs> while dribbling uh, without – like, let's say – okay, I'll, I'll give you guys an example so you understand a little more because I really don't know how to explain it. But, you know, with Kevin Durant dribbling maybe three or four times, being the ball-dominant player coming down the court, you know how he comes, you know, through the half court – if he's dribbling it five, six times, Boston has enough time to execute, a, you know, a double team, a triple team on KD, and he can't get his shots off correctly. We Like, Marcus Smart was on him, and he was guarding him to perfection. So you need Kyrie to be a little bit more aggressive as that playmaker. I know Kyrie is usually the better finisher, and he's the guy that wants to get 35, but if Brooklyn wants to be successful, uh, Kyrie cannot be dropping one assist in the game. Like that's just unacceptable. He's got to get the ball in his hands. He's got to facilitate a little more. And Kevin Durant just has to dribble the ball a couple times and get his classic, you know, mid range back on because I think he's been handling the ball just a little bit too much. Uh, yeah. If I'm a Nets fan, I'm pretty fucking concerned. Um, Chris, did you say 18 points from the free throw line? Is that the yeah? One? He. Yeah, he shot four of 17 from the field and 18 of 20 from the free throw yesterday. Because I know he didn't make a shot and a half, but I'd fuck, I forgot the numbers. Um, but yeah, I gave I gave Brooklyn the benefit of the doubt because they were my original pick coming into the year. So I'm like going into the playoffs with a healthy KD and Kyrie. And if you can get, um, you can get the most out of your depth players, maybe you could squeeze by. But when you look at the Boston Celtics after the fucking All-Star break, they may be the best team in the league. They're, they're such a good fucking team. Holy shit. They just, they really locked up Kyrie and KD. Tatum really is growing into that superstar. Marcus Smart is a fucking headache. He doesn't have to put up shit. If he does his, do, uh, does his job defensively, they are good to go. They just, watching those two games, they sucked the life out of the Nets. It was, I don't think I'll ever see that out of Kevin Durant again on any level. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming the next couple games might go a little differently, but the Celtics, yeah, they're they're currently squeezing the life out of them. Yeah, I thought Brooklyn in Game 1. Uh, Steve Nash was probably looking at the options there and was confident that, okay, if we can just get one game, I can maybe push back uh, a return there, but it looks like they're pushing it up there. Ben Simmons making his Brooklyn debut in Game 3. I don't know. I'm confident here that Brooklyn now is going to look like a completely different team. You finally have a playmaker like Ben Simmons coming in. Even though he hasn't played since last year, he's still world-class defender, playmaker. He doesn't have to shoot anymore because look who his teammates are. Steph, or not Steph, Seth Curry. Uh, just shooting. He doesn't have to worry about like carrying the offense there and creating plays. I think this takes a lot of pressure off these guys, and I think Brooklyn, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a blowout in Game 3. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. I mean, they were up 15 points in, I want to say, the second quarter yesterday, and the thing with Boston, they kind of remind me of Toronto a couple years ago. They just don't stop. They keep going. It doesn't matter how much they're down. They're going to try and you know facilitate as much offense as they can around everybody, not just two players, around everybody. Grant Williams yesterday was great. Peyton Pritchard, I, I've said it so many times. This guy comes in off the bench, and he's just – he's lights out. Um, but you know what, Pinello, I'm going to kick this guy to you. How about Al freaking Horford? The guy looks rejuvenated. He's guarding Kevin Durant beautifully. 
he's dropping he, right now. I think he's averaged three threes in the first two games. That if that performance continues, you know how much pressure that takes off of guys like Jalen Brown. Like it's just it's just been perfect so far for Boston. But yeah, if Ben Simmons comes back and he plays that Draymond Green type of defending and he's that glue piece, yeah, I think Brooklyn could absolutely blow them out in Game Three, no doubt. He looked like the fucking Hawks Horford. I was watching him. I'm like, he's moving so much quicker than he was the last few years. What the hell has changed? Yeah. He's on a team that that loves him and appreciates him. That fucking OKC. <laughs> well, uh, on the last topic here, we'll go to last series, Atlanta and Miami. Pretty much going according to plan there. Uh, I didn't see Atlanta really without centers like Capella, like, really having a chance they're gonna have to rely too much on trey young and it showed but uh now they're gonna go back to atlanta where they've been really successful this year so i think they could uh take game three but are you confident with uh the way trey young's been playing that he could turn this around uh i say they get one game at home and that's about it buddy Woo! i love trey young but like and he's got a, a few nice players around him, but when I just look at the way the Miami Heat are built, I don't think it's enough. I think Trey, like he's so electric, and he can he can pretty much do it every single night. Collins is a nice player. Um, Kevin Herter's nice, but they need more from everyone. Like John Collins has got to do a little more. Clint Capella, like his boards and his points are on par, but like in terms of impact, I don't think he's having the best year. I look at the Miami Heat, like. Yeah, I just see similar to what I said with Boston. I just feel like they're going to suck the life out of them. This could be a five game series. But for the Hawks, they're built for the future. I wouldn't see this as a loss, really. I'm going with Atlanta winning both games at home here. <laughs> I just think, you know, this is a team that is just underappreciated. And I think Trey Young is just that assassin. It, it, like, he can go on a run like AI did in 01. I would not be surprised. I mean, he kind of did it last year already going to the conference finals. But, yeah, you know, you get John Collins back on a minute restriction last game. And, you know, he dropped 13 and 10 in only 29 minutes. That's still a welcoming sign. Trey Young, his three-point shot has just been abysmal through two games. I just don't see it being this bad for majority of the, of the series. And you know what? We talked about Tyrese Maxey having a huge game. Jimmy Butler is not dropping 45 points again in this series. <laughs> Mark my words. He's not. He shot 36 attempts in the game. So he's not going to make all those shots again. He's never been an unbelievably – he's never been an unbelievable efficient scorer. It, like, he's going to have to facilitate a little more. He's got to have to – if – the Heat really want to dominate the Hawks here. They're going to have to really get Kyle Lowry involved more. Bam out of bio. I'm pretty sure only dropped like 11 points in game three. Oh, not so, even. yeah, like if – like Butler, I, I know he got to the fight early on in the year, and, you know, he thinks he's the he's the, 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 the gunner on the team. But you can't be taking – like I said with Mitchell, you can't be taking 30 shots in the game. But at this at this very point, it, it definitely did work out for them. They got 115. He had 45 of them. But I think John Collins, you know, another couple of days of rest. I think he's going to come back. I think he's motivated. I love DeAndre Hunter. I think if he can have a really good defensive game, shut down Jimmy Butler, maybe 
have him get about – like even if Butler gets 20 points, I think that's a W for Atlanta. I think Kevin Herter and Hunter can get about 15 each, and if John Collins could even sniff 15, that's another interesting uh, – I think the scoreboard will be really, really close down the stretch, but you know what? It's in Atlanta. The crowd there is rowdy. I think Trey Young takes advantage and they even the series out, but I still got the heat in seven, as I did predict from the from the jump. Man, well, uh, it's going to be an interesting next couple of days with these teams uh, going into the weekend, especially when a lot of them are uh, facing win or go home situations like the Raptors. So uh, we'll have to keep an eye on that. This was fun. Next week, we'll uh, pick this up and see. Hopefully, the Raptors are still in it and uh, going to a game seven. And uh, hopefully, we'll be talking about Austin Matthews getting number 60 on the year so uh that was episode 174 and uh we'll be back next week